in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Jason Kao. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka, John Reed. Bo Warmbold. Each week, they feature one movie that reminds us why we fell in love with these films in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. All right, this time around, we're going to be talking about the Akira Kurosawa movie, Ran. came out May 31st, 1985. It is rated R for many, many bloody reasons. Uh, directed by Akira Kurosawa, who also did Yojimbo, Seven Samurai, Roshaman, a whole bunch of other things. Um, produced by, and I'm, I'm going to apologize to all of our Japanese listeners now if we have any. I will butcher all of these names, except for maybe Serge Silberman, who is Polish, um, I think. Produced by Masato Hara, who also did the movie Ringu, uh, which the American Ring is based off of. Uh, Serge, or Sergei Silberman, um, who did a movie called Discreet Charms of the Bourgeoisie. Written by Kurosawa, uh, Hideo Uguni, who did Seven Samurai and Tora Tora Tora. Masato Ide, who also did uh, Kagemusha and The Demon. Music by, let's see, is it Toru Takamitsu? Uh, did a movie called Harakiri and Rising Sun. Uh, the budget for this one was $11.5 million. The box office in Japan was $12 million. The box office in the U.S. was $3.5 million. Did not do quite as well. Uh, starring, and here's where we're really going to mess up some names, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai as Lord Hitadora Ichimonji. Did Yojimbo and Kagemushi. Or Kage, I'm going to totally mess up all of these names. Um, Kagemusha. Am I saying that right? Have you seen that one? I, sounds close enough. Okay. I think we're, we're probably closer than we are further. Okay, all right. Uh, Akira Terreo as Taro Tak... Okay, good grief. Taro Takatora Ichimonji, who was also in the movie Dreams. Jinpachi Nezu as Jiro. Uh, Dasuke Ryu as Saburo. Uh, Meiko Harada as Lady... Lady... Is it Kadi? Or Kade? Kade, yeah. Kade? Okay. Who was also in the movie Dreams. Um, Yoshiko Miyazaki as Lady Sue in a movie called After the Rain. Uh, Hisashi Igawa as Kuragane was in the movie Dreams, also by uh, Kurosawa. And Pita, or I guess Peter, because he used to act like Peter Pan as a kid, um, was Kiyomi. was in Funeral Parade of Roses and Zatoichi Goes to the Fire Festival which if you know any of the Zatoichi movies, he's a blind swordsman, so probably not a good idea that he goes to the fire Festival. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have given this one a 95%, and the audience has given this one a 95%. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, um, Ebert at least, gave this four out of four stars. This won the Oscar, uh, it was, or actually the awards, the Oscars. It was nominated for art direction. It was nominated for cinematography, nominated for best director, and won for costume design. In this movie, Lord Ichimonji brings his bloody reign to an end when he abdicates his throne to his three sons, and then chaos ensues, which is actually what the word ran means. The background on this one, uh, he was, Kurosawa was nominated for Best Director Oscar um, for Ran. 
His movies that were pretty big were in the 50s and 60s, Rashomon in 57, Samurai in 54, Throne of Blood in 57, which I believe is supposed to be his take on Macbeth, and then Yojimbo in 1961. Then he didn't have much going on during the 60s, kind of a dry spell for him. He did attempt suicide at one point, but then came back and was making bigger movies in the 70s again. Uh, he has said the 1980s Kagemusha, was, which was made with the help of Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas, was kind of a dry run for Ran, which he then made about um, five years later. Kurosawa has always been more popular in the West than he was in Japan because he liked to adapt Western stories. Uh, this one is supposedly based on Shakespeare's King Lear, although there is another story that Kurosawa, he says the King Lear piece was kind of coincidental at first. Um, the story of a king going mad after giving his kingdom away to two of his three daughters, based more so, though, on the stories of the warlord Mori Motonari, who had three brave and courageous sons. Kurosawa remembered those stories and wondered what would have happened if those three sons were not courageous and brave, and instead evil. Uh, Kurosawa's wife actually died during the production of this movie. He took one day off and then went back to making the movie. Uh, Hitadora and Lady Kaide, uh, her, their performances are based on the Japanese No Theater. That's N-O-H, for those keeping track. Um, their makeup, kind of that white ghost-like makeup, uh, long moments of stillness accentuated by abrupt changes or movements, is something that No Theater emphasized. So those two in particular, um, that was kind of their their acting style for that. Uh, and then you have the colors that everybody is, so you kind of follow throughout the movie. Uh, Taro is yellow, Jiro is red, Saburo is blue, and Hitadora is typically the white color. All right. Pat, you love these. What do you got? Well done, John. Thank you. Yeah. I, only, I only butchered half those names. <clears throat> I don't, I, it's hard, <laughs> hard to tell if you did or not. No one will ever know, except, our, right. except our two Japanese listeners. That's right. So what I think of this one? Wushi mushi. Man, I like Kurosawa movies. I like Kurosawa movies. It's um, it's uh, 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 it's hard because you know you're watching a tragedy. You're uh, you know you always wanted to just man. I wish that guy would just make the good, the right choice. But that's kind of the whether it's incidental or not. It's uh, um, the Shakespearean tragedy where the guy has that flaw that he just keeps messing things up. And I think that uh, um, he keeps messing things up. And I think that was. This guy, you know, he mm-hmm. just, you know, he trusted his sons where he shouldn't have. He, um, you know, didn't listen to his youngest son. Saburo was supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, love him and he should have listened to him. But, right. you know, he, he, you know, the typical leader just couldn't hear no. Right. right. I mean, that was, that's kind of his flaw. And have you read the story of King Lear? I have. It, okay. it was a while back. It was in English class, so the uh, the literary intelligentsia will have to uh, right. fill in the gaps where that's, it is. That's exactly. pretty, that's but pretty that's much it. Lear. It's like his yeah. one his one daughter is the only one that will speak truth to him, even yeah. though he the truth is not pleasant. Right. Yeah, and that's the one that he says, "No, get away from me. I don't want to hear right. what you have to say." Yeah. And and the only one that truly loved him. So that's the hard part of this movie is you, you want to see the good guy win, you know, and even right up until the end when. You know, Saburo gets taken out when they're riding on the horse together, and you think, I think they're going to make it through, and then mm-hmm. blam, mm-hmm. he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't make it. Um, I should say real quick, it's just Pat and I for this one. Uh, the other guys did not have a chance to watch it because apparently they didn't have three hours to, you know, just watch a movie. But you know, yeah. it's Kurosawa, so Pat and I are going to take the time to watch a three-hour movie. Break it down. Um, 
in that too. So, anyways, that's kind. Of, I mean, it was you know, it, it, that's the part of watching a tragedy. Tragedy is you know, you just you know, or a Shakespearean esque tragedy, whether like I said, intentional or not. You know, you just want to see. Oh, come on, make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Just listen to them. You know. Um, the other thing. Well, I don't know. Why don't you go and then I'll before I start expounding too much on it. Yeah. No. I had now, had you seen this before before watching it this time? It was either. Because I got into Kurosawa in college mm-hmm. when a buddy of mine knew a whole lot about it, and we, we sat and watched the movies. I, I can't remember whether I saw parts of it or whether I read King Lear and saw enough of it that I kind of filled in the gaps. Okay. This is the first time, you know, that I saw it front to back all the way through. So Okay. Yeah, because of his movies, and I've liked the movies of his that I've seen, this is the first time I've ever watched this one. Um, of his other ones, I had seen his earlier ones. I've seen The Hidden Fortress and Seven Samurai. And that's, I believe, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not seen any of the other ones. But, um, no, I, I like this one. I liked, um, you know, the I particularly like, and maybe because I'm a fan of Shakespeare, but I liked the, the, the different pieces that I saw coming from the Shakespearean stories. And, and I know it's not just Shakespeare, but like The Fool, mm-hmm. who is the one that he can speak truth because... He's the clown. He's the fool. He, mm-hmm. You know, that's his job. Is nobody will kill him because well, he's just joking, but he's really not joking. Yeah. Um, and I really liked, I, I liked the whole performance of. Well, I, I think those two that I kind of mentioned with the with the Japanese the Japanese no theater, the lady Kari mm-hmm. um, and Hitadora, and the two of them I think are probably my favorite characters in this whole thing. Um, Kade just because she's ruthless and I, she's crazy. She's but at the same time, so is the king. I mean, there's that, and I and I wrote this one down. And I'm like the the whole. I think the one shot in the whole movie that I sat there and I was like, oh, that's awesome, was when you have the one guy, one of the guards is about to go kill Kaomi, the the fool, the jester, and all of a sudden he gets hit with an arrow in the back, and the camera kind of zips up to where the arrow came from. Everybody's looking, and you just see the king lean out the window, and he's got this crazed mm-hmm. look in his eyes. And you just, he doesn't say anything, but he's just there, and he's you see the white yeah. like, ghost makeup on his face, yeah. and just he's there, the bug eyes sticking yeah. out, and, and it you know plays that music there for a second, and I'm like, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah go for that, it. Yeah, that guy's... <laughs> kill as many as you need to. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing... It, did I interrupt your thought? No, no. The interesting thing about Kade, or however you say her name, um, you know, at first, okay, yeah, she's the evil one. Don't listen to her. Oh, he's, you know, the eldest, it was a Taro, the oldest brother? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's listening to her. Oh, no. And then, you know, all throughout, um, the one, the one, whatever, the general or whoever's kind of mm-hmm. his right-hand man. Kuragane. Yeah, yeah. Is trying to warn him. Right. The middle brother, he's trying to warn him against her, and he talks about the wolf's head and everything. Yeah. Like, and he I thought, bring, He brings back that head, and yeah, it's the no, statue the of the The whole wolf. way he told that mm-hmm. story was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was so Be cool. Be careful, because some of them have disguised themselves as women. Yeah. And, you know, in this part of China, one married, you know, this emperor, and look what happened to him. And it, Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, And don't he's listen. telling that whole story, and she's sitting right there next yeah. to him. I'm like... Was, you better hope she's not holding a knife or a yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Because, That's pretty cool. Yeah. And she had moves, too, man. When she oh, took yeah. the one brother down, when she mm-hmm. didn't like, bam. And the thing, though, is that you watch that, and as I got thinking, it's like, is she really the bad guy? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she's the bad guy, but is she really the bad guy? Because, I mean, it wasn't like this was some benevolent king that just made some, right. you know, 
the whole movie is a laundry list of, mm-hmm. you know, my mother was right over there when she committed suicide. My father's head was, you know, chopped off over here. This person was killed over here. They find the blind um, older brother or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, whose eyes were gouged out by the king. Right. I mean, he was... And that's one of the differences between King Lear and this. Okay. Is that in Shakespeare, <laughs> in King Lear... It, a lot of Shakespeare's stories, when people suffer, a lot of times it's kind of... And, and King Lear was particularly about this, was undeserved suffering. Okay. Whereas in this movie, it was like, no, 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 no. The, this Ichimonji, the whole family, pretty much deserves what they're getting yeah. because he lived his reign as king, what do you say, like 50-some years, yeah. and it was bloody and, and yeah. war-torn the entire time. And, and so it's kind of like, well, you know... The daughter stayed alive. You married her off to one of your sons. And, I mean, in that sense, I mean, we've talked about our our love for Star Wars Mm -hmm. in this. And it's really cool because one of the things that I wish they would have shown a little bit more in Star Wars was how the Sith are subversive and sneak through and try and change people's thoughts and kind Mm -hmm. of work one person against the other. And you get a little bit of that in this. They really bring that out with how she was able to manipulate the older brother and then the middle brother, and then the middle brother against the, you know, and just really just work all that. And then when it came time for it, she had no problems, you know, striking out, you know, pulling a dagger and going after him. So I right. I can't say that she was a good character, but I don't know that there were really, except for the youngest son, I don't really know that there were any good characters portrayed. So I, as I was watching the movie, I she's, she's just avenging the deaths of her family. So, you know... That's the world they're living in. How can we fault her over any of the other ones? Right. So. So if Ran is supposed to be conveying, and it's, you know, it kind of is, if Ran is conveying the bleakness of human existence in the modern world, what scene accomplished that best? What scene in the movie made you think, wow, life sucks? Yeah. <laughs> that one where there's Can just, you narrow it down to one? Right, yeah. Well, the one scene where the king just is walking out of the castle just watching the destruction around him. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, and just all those people just who are supposed to be as tough as warriors, you know, just being bloodied and just that look on his that look of horror on his face and all that. I mean, I guess you you could. Was that the battle at Saburo's castle? Yeah, but Saburo wasn't there. Right. Saburo had pulled out. It was the third castle. It was the third castle, yeah. yeah, And he was sitting there and he tried to, I think he tried to commit suicide and then he didn't have the sword and then it was just, you know, he just goes into shutdown mode and just kind of stumbles out of the castle. Right. I guess, I mean, that was the most visually Mm -hmm. stunning scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and I had that scene written down in particular because of the intense intensity of the battle. Yeah. You had the slaughter of all the concubines that were there. You had, but what I, what I liked about that one is that there were no vocals or sound effects. It was just the music that whole time. Yeah. And then what finally breaks the silence is the sniper shot. Yeah. That then kills uh, Taro. Yeah. 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 But like, it was probably a good, I don't know, five, six minutes. Yeah. In which it was just music. And even though there were gunshots and other things going on, you didn't hear any of it. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear any screaming. didn't mm-hmm. hear any battle. It was just the music. Yeah. And then that boom, that sniper shot that killed his son was the one that yeah. broke the silence and then went back to you hear the dialogue, you hear the sound effects. and Yeah. And so that. I, that scene was pretty strong. I, maybe just when he, you think things are just going to go right and then the eldest son dies. Or the youngest son, you know, they're assassinated mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then did the did the blind man was he he wasn't killed, but his sister no, was. Yeah. Because his sister was Lady Sue. Yeah. And they killed her. Yeah, I think so. 
I got a little lost on you know who who was related to whom. And, yeah. You know, I, for the major characters, I, I got it all figured out. But right. If they didn't have colors in this yeah. movie, I would have been kind of lost on right. Like which brother is running this army now, and and who's yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say that, and, and but again, it's kind of like. You know, obviously the Shakespeare is intentional. This one isn't. You made your own bed, now you got to sleep in it. Right. You know, I mean, and at the beginning, you know, his youngest son was saying, you know, maybe his youngest son saw, this is the life that we've created, you know, mm-hmm. you've created. This is, you're not going to do any good by trying to divide the thing up. and. Right. He's, Kurosawa has mentioned before that this is his... This movie, because a lot of his other movies, they're a metaphor for something. It's like some kind of a, you know, message about either Japanese history or, or something like that. And he said this is his one that is kind of his metaphor for life after uh, Hiroshima. That kind of like this is this is Japanese life. This is how we view life. And so he had kind of early on as a director, I was reading a few things, and early mm-hmm. on as a director, he had believed that well, individuals could do good things. Or individuals could still be good despite the world around them falling apart. But now in his later years, after he had committed suicide, and obviously mm-hmm. his wife died while making this movie, and um, I think at this point he was almost totally blind. Mm-hmm. Did you um, say he committed suicide? Or he, no, he tried to. He, he tried, tried to. Okay. Well, if he had, he wouldn't have made this movie. Right, okay. Well, that's why I wanted, I, I just wanted to make sure that... Okay. He actually got on the cocoon boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This quote was We're, we're going to be talking about that next time. Well, you know, Tupac uh, died, and he had like 12 albums right, come out, so I'm just right. making sure that, no, you know, he wasn't filming movies. That's funny. Okay, that's, anyways. It's valid. Um, but, I mean, after all that happens, so then this movie comes out in 85, and he now... I mean, this movie doesn't give the individuals any chance to do anything redeeming regardless of the time they're living in and what's going on around them. Um, so he kind of reached a point where, in, and this movie I think kind of does a good job of showing this, he went from believing that yes, you can change and you can do your own part to make things possible, but with this movie he's kind of saying, nope, everything impossible. You can't change anything. This is the way the world is. Um, and he kind of at one point made the made the assertion that as an artist, as a filmmaker, um, that he has no power to make any kind of change at all. Mm-hmm. Like by making movies, by doing any of that, it's kind of pointless. It's he he's not going to change society or change humanity. That this is the way that we are, and this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that some of the characters even say that at the end of the movie. They're like, okay. I think Kaomi said that. He said something like, you know, this is the world. Or one of the generals maybe said, "Well, this is the world. This is how it is. Why are you crying to the gods? The gods don't, you know. We've yeah. been killing each other since the beginning of time. What do you? This is how it is. Yeah. This is the world is like this. Yeah, you can't change it. Do you agree with that? Deep thoughts. <laughs> is, I, you know, it's thought. it's interesting. I mean, it's and kind now of, deep thoughts. It's it's with Jack. That's right. It's kind of hard to argue against history. I mean, we well, do yeah. seem to find you know more and more creative ways to." You know, kill each other, be intolerant of each other, and, and and all that kind of thing. Well, and that's part of the using the guns, mm-hmm. like having the one side that has the guns in this, and it's like, well, you can't fight with you got spears and bows and arrows, then you can't. There's nothing you can do right against a, an army that has guns, and right. they kind of did that in Last Samurai, right? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, I, yeah, and then it, you know, it's 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 interesting. Seeing that, I, 
you know, boy, is that one person can't do anything? I, you know, I don't know. Isn't that the isn't that the argument of what, what's the big historical argument? The great man theory versus there's another contrasting mm-hmm. thing where it's situational history or whatever. I, you know, I I don't know. I you'd hope that we'd find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd hope that, you'd hope that you'd find a way to that we are able to. I mean, you're never, and that's what I think the mistake in in in, in this movie was is he was assuming that you know he killed all the bad guys, so everyone that's left over still loves him, and obviously. They didn't. The people left over were either jaded, or the people left over were either, you know, you know, their fathers were the ones being killed. So they're trying to work him from the, from the, uh, you know, work his kingdom down from the inside. What I still get watch from this is, you know, if you're just dropped in, helicoptered in, right in the middle of the story at this point, you know, don't make mistakes. And now it's easy to say don't make mistakes, but listen to all forms of counsel. He didn't. He only listened to what he wanted to hear. I mean, that's one of the, you know. That's one of the big, the big flaws. Okay. I, I found on Wikipedia your the great man theory you were, yeah, you were talking about. Uh, it's a according to Wikipedia, it is a 19th century idea according to which history can be largely explained by the impact of great men or heroes, highly influential individuals who, due to either their personal charisma, intelligence, wisdom, or political skill, used utilize their power in a way that had a decisive historical impact. Um, and it has also been said, the man who came up with this theory uh, was a Scottish writer, Go Scotland, uh, Thomas Carlyle in the 1840s, uh, and he said, the history of the world is but the biography of great men. Yeah. But then the flip side of that is, though, it's easy to you know focus history, you know, the study of history on just a few great men, mm-hmm. <laughs> a few good men, you know, like the, 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 the few, you know, the great men or people or whatever that, but then there was the masses, and the populace, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's kind of like, well, what was the perspective? What was the perspective of the Civil War from maybe not like Abraham Lincoln's standpoint, but what was it from the your average everyday soldier? Right. And even within that, you know, the different perspective. What was it the perspective from someone that you know was of European descent, but like a native-born American, mm-hmm. or what was the the perspective from? A recently immigrated Irishman that was given a gun and said, "Now you get to go fight for your new country." What right. you know? I mean, everyone's going to have a. What was the perspective from a Southern, a Confederate soldier that didn't own slaves? What was their? Pers- and so you know, you look at history, and I think in that example that Kurosawa was talking about, you know, one person can do good, but what did he say? He, they, he can't he, fight against the that's tide what he, of. That's the what masses. he used to believe. He used okay. to believe when he first started in his early movies was. You know, you can, regardless of the world around you being evil, you can do things to, you know, still live your life and still affect some change. And then as he got older and after Hiroshima and, and, you know, his life and everything else, um, then he switched over to, yeah, no, life is kind of pointless. Man man is alone and you can't really do anything to change. Um, He said, I don't know that I have this written down anywhere, but he said at one point... um, that he felt, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something to the effect that um, you're not going to make any kind of change to the world at all until you start to, how did he put it, like exercise, like an exorcism, you know, like until you can exercise the evil that's within human nature. Mm-hmm. Until you can somehow deal with that, and, and maybe that's on an individual level, but there's never going to be. A change at like the national level, the 
kingdom level, that, that type right. of stuff, that this is just going to go on the way it's always gone on. Yeah. And, and it's all pointless. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's hard to argue against that, like I said, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he was looking at history. And I mean, you know, your country going through an atomic, you know, attack, you know, I mean, you know, I would imagine that would be hard. But the thing is, is does that mean that we give up and stop? Or do you keep fighting? For that, you know, do you, I mean, you know, as cliched as it is, you know, we say at school, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you keep fighting for those things? And, you know, with the with the cocoon thing, I mean, one of the things I reacted to strongly in that was the uh, um, nature owes us. Mm-hmm. So we, we're going to we're going to take we're going to pop the escape hatch and head out was mm-hmm. the way I interpreted that one scene. And it's kind of like, you know, that would kind of be this. Well, life is terrible. May as well just go be a hermit up on the mountain. Okay, well, I, I guess that's one way to look at it. Or, hey, we might lose, but we're going to go. Well, here, I'll, I'll geek out. We'll quote uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings. The um, what go. was the middle Lord of the Rings? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. When yeah. Rohan, they're um, they're they're locked in that um, mm-hmm. in Helm's Deep, yep. and they're up in the king. You know, and the the, uh, the what was the king's name? The, yes. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> darn it. The, um, king, the, the, the king of Rohan yeah. said, "We might lose, but we will ride to face them mm-hmm. on the left." You know. That's and maybe that just sounds like Lori, you know, like just you know spewing you know nonsense. But that's it. Okay, maybe Theoden. Theoden. There yeah. it is. Maybe the maybe things are gonna maybe things are gonna be bad. Maybe you're not gonna be able to change everybody, but you got to still try. Mm-hmm. You still got to fight. I mean, you only have so many years here. Right out to meet them. Right out to meet them. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I guess I guess that what what's your what's your thought on that? I you know uh, this. This is probably the wrong week to ask me yeah, if one person can can make change to right. institutions and right. things like that. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm always I'm always a an optimist, but I'm also aware that the world and life and everything else can totally beat you down to the point where you you don't see a point in trying to make change anymore. And I I don't know. Given Kurosawa's life, if he you know going through that, I mean we we've We've had 9/11 as a country, which I feel like is, you know, not quite the same as Hiroshima, but right. um, you know, and then just his personal stuff too. The having a long stretch where he was not successful creatively and professionally, and and then you know having his wife die and trying to commit suicide and, and all that other stuff. You know, I, I can see where I can see where a guy gets beaten down and you know has yeah. believes that well. I, everything I thought I could have done, I tried to do as a young man, and I'm not seeing any result from it, and so therefore the world is bleak, and right. you know, everything sucks. And, and I, so I can, I can see where he's coming from. I, I don't think that I will ever have that outlook on things. Right. But and even that, it, but even you know, and just, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get it too. And but the interesting thing about that story is, yeah, the world sucks and life is bleak and so on. But it wasn't happenstance mm-hmm. you know right. like he, you said he Shakespeare caused, he caused it to be that way <laughs> he caused it that right. that king caused it to be that way right. you know and I mean and then you know then you get into the and then you get into the argument of you know you, you know history repeats itself mm-hmm. because you know, people don't learn well, I from used the to, past and I used to remember like in, in Sunday school I used to remember everyone's uh, sometimes I would read there, there'd be one of the passages that we'd read in Sunday school and it would it would be something like the sins of the father are visited on the, the third and fourth generation. I'm probably quoting it wrong, but, um, you know, and, and that children will have to pay for the sins. And I'm sitting there going, 
well, that's not fair. Like, why should I have to pay for something that my great, 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 you know, some relative I've never met, why should I have to pay for something that they did? I didn't do it wrong. But then as I get older and I, I look at that again yeah, and I go, right. okay, well, it's not, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm paying for their sin or what they did or whatever. It's just, well, that's cause and effect. If they did something wrong and that is something wrong enough that it's going to reach down through the generations, like if, if somebody in your family uh, killed somebody and went to prison, okay, well, going to prison is clearly going to affect your children, which then their, their outlook on life will affect their children, which will then affect their children, and, you know, it, it goes on and on through generations, and like, well, okay, I get it now. It's not that I'm, it's not like I'm being charged for right. what the other ones did, it's just that's a fact of life is that right. this person did something wrong or did so, and it could be the, the other way around too it's this person did something great and look you generations later get to reap the benefits of something you never did and you don't right. deserve and you know so this is to me this is kind of the same type of idea it's well you know it's this king for 50 whatever years plundered and pillaged and killed and mm-hmm. Married off the children, the daughters of the people he killed to his sons, and well, <laughs> you, yeah. you're getting what you deserve. So, right, don't be too surprised, I guess. Yeah, and it's you know, it's the um, you know you mentioned do we believe in the that's the great you know the great man theory and and I, there was there was a, a a different theory as well that. They, I don't know if they were rivals or that was just the way it was presented when I first learned them. And it was, mm-hmm. you kind of come to the conclusion that it's really a combination of the two. I mean, it's not just great men doing actions that, but then in the same token, and, and great wasn't necessarily a positive force. You know, I think according to that philosophy is even the, 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 the evils, you know, the great evil, you know, the Adolf Hitlers and the Stalins and, the, you know, they also had profound impacts on you know, the course of history, which you can't really necessarily argue with. But then the flip side and why it's important to question why is, you know, the one person against the entire world isn't going to get that far if everyone thinks. And that's that that's the hard part is, you know, when people just blindly follow or, you know, I think the phrase that I friend of the family used to say is one of us is not not as dumb as all of us Mm -hmm. you know the mob mentality is you know right there it was the one son standing up against the you know the old man Mm -hmm. but maybe if more of his generals or more you know and and that's where i can always point to there's a flaw there there's something that we can correct next time and maybe we can we can do it just better maybe We'll get it wrong again, but that's okay. We'll get back on the horse. We'll figure out where that flaw happened. But, I, you know, I don't know if that... Unless you get shot off the horse. Unless you get shot off the horse. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm just rambling or being coherent at all. But, yeah, that's, yeah. An, that's an interesting... It's an interesting, you know, question with the movie. But, that, yeah, it's... There's, there were those flaws. Ugh, if you just would have gone left as opposed to right, right. it would have been... You know. Yeah. So... So... In in talking about the samurai movie genre, um, where does this one rank? Does it of, of your? <laughs> you, now you can't see this, but Pat just gave me a look like, well, how much time do we have? Yeah, there? yeah. Um, in your experience, now I don't have a whole lot of experience with samurai movies. Most of my experience is going to be like Seven Samurai, yeah, Hidden Fortress, Ran, right. Last Samurai, you know, that type of stuff. So I don't have quite as much experience with it as you do, maybe, but. Um, 
I would say probably for me it's Last Samurai or okay. uh, Seven Samurai. Seven okay. Samurai. Um, I've seen that one probably three times. It's probably my favorite out of the Kurosawa movies I have seen. I like this one, but I just like Seven Samurai better. Yeah. Um, I liked Hidden Fortress just because of its connection with Star Wars right. and, and all that. But, right. Um, so I have I have a smaller sample size to choose from, but. I, well, and I don't know if my sample size is necessarily that much bigger. I mean, it's you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to. Or you mentioned Seven Samurai. It's hard yeah. to argue with the classic. Yeah. I mean, it, that that is just such a phenomenal movie mm-hmm. from you know the story. I tell you, I showed that in class my last year. Yes, in the classroom. I think I, I came it. down. You I did. remember you came down was, for a while because we were watching Seven Samurai. I think it was yeah. in a band lesson. I think I yeah. was okay. Time to go back to class. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're watching the Seven Samurai. What? You're watching Seven <laughs> Samurai? And you know what? I came in in the scene where the swordsman, the guy that didn't say much. Yes. The swordsman was doing the um, was doing that standoff where yeah. the guys charged each other. Yep. And uh, and and I remember because as we were walking back, I said, "We got to pack up. We got to get back. To, we got to get back to your class." We came down and said, "There's this awesome scene. Have the swordsman faced off yet?" Well, I don't know, Mister. Yeah, let's hurry up. And we came in and we got into the room and I said, "This is it." And I think I opened the door and like the entire class jumped because I said, "This is it. Yeah. This is the scene you're waiting for. This is awesome." Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against that, yeah. you know. And. Uh, and I was surprised how much the kids enjoyed it. I mean, we were looking at it as like a, you know, it's almost like a film literacy type thing. So we were looking at the use of, you know, light versus dark. And I mean, it's a black and white movie, but we we're looking at light versus dark and the symbolism and the storytelling and all that other, all that other, the pieces of it. Um, but I was kind of surprised. Like they, they actually seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, because sometimes you know the kids now they're not. It's a black and white movie, so they're right. not quite as interested in it. But the, the pacing is different. Yeah, you know what you get out of the movie. I but mean, it was funny. That was the same year that um, when we were reading *To Kill a Mockingbird*, I also showed Twelve Angry Men*, mm-hmm. and they really liked Twelve yeah. Angry Men*. So yeah, it's um, yeah, but Seven Samurai* is great. I, you know, and I I watch movies. And I like to be swept away, and I like to see the the world of the possible in the movies and everything, and as long as I'm not swept away from my family on a boat, just right. mind you. But um, Yojimbo and Sanjiro, and I, those two, it's been we'll, a while. We'll get, to, we'll get to the boat next week. Right, that's right. The uh, Yojimbo and Sanjiro, those two movies, in that, um, uh, I think the main character, and I want to say, are they loosely, like, two different, like, stories about the same guy? You know, it was kind of like a, I don't know if they were sequels or whatever. i got to go back and see him again. But yeah. in any event, Toshiro Mifune was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the one of them was what was um, uh, Fistful of Dollars mm-hmm. was based on it. Yeah. And that was where, you know, the whole end scene where um, um, Clint Eastwood wears the bulletproof vest. Yes. And then he faces down the bandits that are preying on the town. Mm-hmm. I think that in one of those two movies that has it, and there's a scene where Toshiro Mifune just goes after these bad guys. And, I, I mean, it's Awesome, and there's one scene that right before he starts like cutting all these guys down with the sword, uh, they try to shoot him, or or maybe they pull a gun or they pull a sword or they do something, and he just smirks and laughs, and they uh, uh, right before he just goes to town on these guys, and it's just from the from his little smirk right before, it's kind of hard to argue against those. I mean, I love Seven Samurai, but just the whole, it's a stretch to call it maybe action hero, but I mean, you know the way that. Uh, he plays the hero in those movies. Those those two are, are pretty high up there as well. Yeah. Um, My dad used to watch the Zatoichi movies. Okay. They I guess they were on. It seemed like every time I talked to him, they were on maybe like Saturday morning. Yeah. TV and and he'd put it, he'd be watching them all the time. I'd call him and be like, 
so what are you doing this weekend? He's like, well, there's a Zatoichi movie on this morning, yeah. so I'm not going anywhere for a while. And yeah, I don't, do you ever watch any of those? Or? I, you know what, I haven't, but I, okay. I want to say a, a friend of ours used to talk about those and say, okay. oh, you got to find them on. Maybe mm-hmm. they're on YouTube now or something. He's, oh, you got to watch. Them. I want to say like we got him a collection of some of the movies. It was like you know, seven or eight movies on yeah. DVD for like twenty bucks somewhere yeah. or I don't something like yeah. that. But they, you know, I think if you can find them, they're not that expensive or yeah. they may be on YouTube or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I always liked, and I like too of you know studying about you know the samurais that were the the Ronin, you know mm-hmm. the ones that were mm-hmm. kind of free of you know because it was a very structured, very. And that was that was maybe one of the faults with Seven Samurai is yeah they they are trying to show the beauty of this culture and that's kind of the way they set the movie up. But the problem is, it there were there were like anything it wasn't perfect and there were some negatives too. I mean it was there was a very strong cast structure in place. There was a very strong, you know, conquer and warring kind of mentality in place with the whole samurai and yeah. warlords and feudal. You know, I'm sure the same thing went on in medieval Europe. So right, I mean, it's right. it's easy to look back and romanticize it, um, as well. So, anyways, I kind of like the movies about, you know, maybe a little bit more fictional, but the more of like the Batman or the Robin Hood. You know, the 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 the, the samurai that was just kind of out on his own, just trying to do good. Mm-hmm. You know, and or if not do good, then take out the bad guys right. with a sword. In right. a very awesome scene at the end of the movie, <laughs> even though it's black and white. Right, but it's cool. Right. All right. Well, uh, do you have any anything else about Ran that you would like to share? Or? No, it's uh, it's a classic movie. I don't want to watch it too many times in a row because, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll necessarily put you in a good mood. Right, right. But it's a little bleak. But but uh, yeah, cool. That's fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the uh, movie Ran, the Akira Kurosawa movie Ran. Um, we will be back next week, in which we will be discussing the Ron Howard film Cocoon. So join us for that, and we will see you then. If you'd like to get a hold of us in the meantime, you can give us a call at 872-35-MOVIE. That's 872-356-6843. Pat will personally answer the phone if you call. I've got it right now. Ah, The phone is ready. That's not true. He won't answer. I think it's me doing my best impersonation of a movie phone guy. So if you want to hear me do my best impersonation of a movie phone, go ahead and call and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> Post on my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us the movie you want? <laughs> um, uh, you can tweet us, at 30podcast. Uh, we are also on Instagram. Now, there's not a whole lot up there yet, but it's instagram.com slash 30podcast. Whenever we have a reason for taking pictures of something, We'll put it on Instagram. I, I don't know. Uh, you can visit our website and patron page at the30podcast.podbean.com. Uh, if you love us and want to send us money, you can click on the patron page and, and be our patron. And I don't know, you could throw a dollar or even $100 our way. Uh, depending on how much money, we will dance for it. And that will be on our Instagram. And that will be on Instagram. We'll take pictures of us dancing for money that you throw at us. Um, that will mostly be Pat. You can also hit us on the face, facebook.com slash 30podcast. Please do so gently. Uh, We are on iTunes, where you can leave us a five-star review. If it's anything less than five stars, mm, I don't know. What do you think? I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. (laughs) So if it's less than five stars, go away. Uh, We are also on Stitcher Radio, um, if you get your podcast there. And we are on the Satchel Podcast app. It is currently for Android devices only, but iOS uh, support is on the way for that one. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Pat. 
you are Pat, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I feel, feel it's like a, kind of an androgynous thing going here, but yeah. that's, that's okay. It's uh, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time.